This is the One Thing Podcast, where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. I'm your host, Jeff Woods. While the one thing is the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results, if you've attempted to live it, you know it's not easy. And a lot of us have gone on a journey as an individual to live this, and we hit the ultimate roadblock, which is my team or my organization doesn't operate this way. I can't say no to my boss. If I'm invited to a meeting, I'm expected to be there. I have to say yes. But do you actually know that to be true? Is that actually the truth? And how would you know it? The purpose of this episode is to pull the curtain back and walk you through what it looks like inside of an organization that actually lives the one thing. Ours. You're going to meet somebody who is a new team member of ours. We brought her in at a leadership position about four months ago. We're going to talk about what her career was like prior to joining the organization and the things that she accepted as normal that actually undermined her professional and personal goals. We're going to talk about the things that surprised her when she stepped into our organization and the challenges that she is still having and the guidance that we give her so that she can focus better on what matters most and crush it professionally and personally. Our hope as you listen to this is that you identify one thing that you can put into action immediately. You will be able to identify one thing. Listen for it. Make the commitment to implement it. If you're an individual, I'm going to be really clear. You do not need your boss's permission to do this. You can do this with or without their initial support. And if you are a leader, and as you listen to this, you say to yourself, wow, I would love to create this type of opportunity with our team. Ask how you can start to apply it. And we'd also encourage you to head on over to theonething.com. That's with the number one in the URL. You can always request a consultation with us. We'll hop on Zoom. We'll walk you through exactly what it looks like to bring this to your organization. With that, let's get into this conversation with Sarah Hendricks. Sarah, I want you to bring us back to what your career was like prior to joining our team. What were you doing? So my experience is in marketing and public relations. I've worked in a myriad of of organizations from, you know, small PR agencies to hotels that have organization that's, you know, thousands of people deep. And I lived in a world of everything is a fire. Every communication needs to be answered now. Every CEO has something that needs to be fixed immediately. And that mentality of, you know, you got to go and you got to do it now, I think was, has been a challenge, a struggle, if you will. I know a lot of people listening to this can relate to that. Did you think that was normal? Yeah. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. And, and that's the interesting thing is you're in this high stress environment and you are just creating it and continuing to fuel it because you keep saying yes. And because you don't, you know, if you're working on a marketing strategy, for example, and somebody pops their head into your office, you 
you don't say, hey, no, I'm, I'm working on something. You're like, oh my God, what's wrong? Let's fix it right now. And you leave your desk and then who knows whatever happens to that strategy. It just disappears. What impact was that way of working having on your personal life? I am by nature a worry wart. I think my boyfriend would absolutely agree with that. And that environment just fuels a stress ball. Like I am constantly worrying about what hasn't happened. I'm, you know, stressed out about what what fire is going to happen next that I can stop or what's currently happening. And it also makes it for your interaction with other people to be very, I don't want to say toxic is the word, but everyone's currently, everyone's always on edge. Everyone is always stressed. There's always a problem. And bringing that home, just, it changes the feelings in the room when I'm the one that's constantly on my phone. I'm the one that's constantly picking up the phone. It made for our time to be dramatically decreased. I I remember hearing an idea of how um, oftentimes we bring the worst of us home with our family because you have all these moments throughout the day that can be stressful that test your willpower, test your patience. And you get to the end of the day and you literally have nothing left. Then you come home and your family can do something that is so innocent and so insignificant, but it's that tipping point for you. And I've noticed when I've lost control of my emotions with my kids and realizing, oh my gosh, it wasn't even about them. It was something that happened way earlier in the day, but going, the people that matter most to me don't always get the best of me. You know, that's so interesting because I am an outgoing, very fun, very happy person. I'm always at a, I'm always at an 11. And what I was noticing with that environment is when I would come home, my boyfriend would say, are are you okay? And it's because I had drained my friendliness and my high energy at work and then came home and had nothing to give. And Mm. my whole demeanor was changing. And that to him was like, this is not the person that I fell in love with. This is a shell of a human who doesn't have, who doesn't have their groove anymore when they come home. And that, that to me really has stuck with me when he mentioned it because I knew there was a problem. Yeah. So fast forward, you, you have this idea to join a company called Productive that does training and consulting based on a book called The One Thing. What did you notice right off the bat when you came into our organization that made you go, holy smokes, there's something different here? So there's two, th- there's two things off the bat. And number one, and I don't, I'm not, no one really understands our interview process, but <laughs> <laughs> I, in most organizations, you have an interview for 30 minutes, an hour, and then you meet the next person for 30 minutes or an hour. And then maybe you meet the highest person up and then you have a job or you don't. And our interview process truly solidified why I took this job because having to go through a rigorous interview process and really explain my work history and some of the 
things that have molded the type of person I am along the way and talk about my highs and lows in a way that you I've never done in an interview before. I felt like if they offer me this job, they know me, they know what they're getting into. And that makes me confident that I'm making the right decision. Eating healthy is an investment. It's an investment in yourself, but it also often requires an investment of your time. But good news is Factor has delicious ready-to-eat meals that are ever fresh and never frozen. They're chef-created, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With Factor, you can choose from a weekly menu of up to 35 options, including popular things like Calorie Smart or Keto Direction or Protein Plus or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover 60 more add-ons every week like breakfast on the go, lunch snacks, beverages to help you stay fueled, feel good all day. And we know our listeners here at The One Thing are focused on health and health goals. That's why we choose to partner with Factor. And if you visit factormeals.com slash 150 and use code 150, you can get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Again, that's factormeals.com slash ONE50 and use code ONE50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. I think some context there. We believe that when we make an offer to someone to come work with us, that we are making a commitment that we will help them on their journey to achieving their life goals. I'm going to let that hang there. Do you believe that the organization that you are a part of has made a commitment to help you achieve your life's goals. For many of you listening to this, the answer is probably no. And I'm going to take you off the hook, but that's why we're recording this episode is we want to show you what it looks like when an organization embodies the one thing. And one of Our standards is that we practice what we teach. So we better live it. (laughs) Otherwise, we don't earn the right to keep the people inside our world. So our our interview process is not just a few interviews. Does their resume look good? Do they say they can do the job? Do we believe them? Yes. We genuinely dive in and understand their life's story, the defining moments in their life, all the various jobs they've had, what the highs were, what the lows were, what they learned. Because when you look, at their past track record in detail, you can spot trends in terms of what really matters to them. And we have conversations about what do they want out of their future? Like Sarah, I know that Jeff asked you, fast forward five years, what would extraordinary look like? And you had to get very specific in key areas of your life. And that's by design because we want to understand if you come and work with us, will we help you get there? And I also want to clarify. Odds are every person who's in our organization will not be in our organization forever. To think that somebody is going to invest their entire career with you statistically is not likely. So for us, it's about how do we help you move your life forward while you're in business with us? And if and when a day comes where you look up and realize it's time for you to advance your life somewhere else, how do we support you in that? So that's, that's why you experienced it the way that you experienced it. Once the offer was made and you actually started working with us, what did you notice was 
fundamentally different about how we operate versus every other organization you've worked with? I, I want to say the answer is everything, but it's the fundamentally different thing is the way we look at time, is the way we schedule our time, the way we talk about our time. That to me is the biggest change because when you're in, I look back at my entire work history, any of those organizations never would have asked, is it, you know, you don't have to pick up the phone if I'm calling you and you are working on something that is your one thing that you don't have to answer the phone. You don't have to respond to my email right away. I am so used to that type of communication and that type of immediate, you know, immediately responding and immediately getting something done that somebody's asked me. But I've never said, well, is the thing that I'm doing in the list of priorities really focused on the one thing and moving that forward? Because if it's not, I should be telling that person, no, right, not right now. And that, I think, you know, I go back to the time and how we talk about time because it's more than just time blocking. This is such a buzzword trend and I've seen articles, you know, across the internet and on the Today Show about time blocking and managing your schedule, but it's more than just blocking your time. It's what you do in that time block and how is it moving towards the one thing? And are you, are you blocking the right amount of time? Are you working on the thing that you said you were going to? I mean, I could talk about this forever because... I'm a very distractible person. If I go down a rabbit hole, I will end up working on seven different tasks. And this system says, stop that. And I have yeah. had to be like, I got to stop. <laughs> and I, and I want to give some context because you've talked about what you do in your time block versus the one thing. We all have more than one thing. It is not realistic to think that you only have one thing or that you only do one thing and you say no to everything else until that one thing is done. That If we lived in a vacuum, that would be great. But you, at a high level, understand what the organization's one thing is for the year because you were a part of designing it. Mm -hmm. Jeff and I, Jeff's our executive VP, he and I didn't just lock ourselves in a room and say, here's where we're going. We did that. But then we kept it in our back pocket and then brought the team together and asked the team, where should we be going? And the team designed the goal. And Jeff and I just had a direction, but we wanted the team to feel ownership. And the team came up with a goal that was bigger than what we came up with, which we loved. And now they own it. So you know what the organization's one thing is. And based on that, you know for your job as director of marketing, what your one thing is for the year. Based on that, you can reverse engineer what are the major priorities you have to accomplish by the end of this month to feel like you're on track? And if that's the case, what are the major priorities you've got to focus on this week? Those are on your 411 so that when you show up for a time block, you're not asking, what should I be doing? It's on your 411. Start with number one. Start knocking the domino down. And I think something that's important to note is in, in a normal... 
I'm using quotes, in a normal work environment, someone comes in, they hire you for a position, you build a strategy. And at the end of the year, they're looking at you saying, well, what did you get done? And there is the ultimate amount, the ultimate accountability in the way that we run our system because we are looking every week and saying, what did you do this week? And for some people, I think that's scary. You know, it's I have to ensure that I'm I'm getting things done and I'm moving in the right direction or I'm I'm hitting all of my tasks. But this is such clear direction that the accountability is it it's just awesome, in my opinion, because you're saying, oh, go ahead. It's welcomed. Yeah. So I want to dive into there a little bit because you're right. There are some people that are listening to this that if they hear, oh, every week you're being asked, what did you do? They'd be like, "Ah, I don't know. That sounds like micromanagement. This is different. First and foremost, who decides what you're going to focus on each week? Me. What does your boss do when you sit down for your 411 and you declare what your priorities are for the week? He is my accountability partner. He will ask if things are in the right priority, ensure that I'm thinking through how these align with the company's goals. And you, but the majority, he's not there to pick apart my you know, week and weekly tasks. He's just there to be an accountability partner to say, are you on the right track? So there's a few words you said there that are worth calling out. One, you didn't say he's there to hold me accountable. You said he's my accountability partner. He's a partner to you. And what I did not hear you say is he tells me. I heard you say he asks if these are in order of priority. He helps me understand how this aligns to the company's goals. At the end of the day, who gets to make the decision on what you focus on each week? I do. That is the difference. We fundamentally believe that a leader's job is to teach people how to think. Because if you teach people how to think, they will be able to get what they need when they need it. Another, this is a pervasive problem that we see with leaders is that a lot of leaders have, without knowing it, taken their people's jobs back. They absorb tiny pieces of every person's job while having a whole job that they have to do themselves. And before you know it, they're overwhelmed. And for us, we just draw that line in the sand. You know what the best part about your job is, Sarah? Tell me. It's your job. (laughs) This is one of the first words that Gary said to me. He said, the best part about your job is it's your job. And if you try to give me back a piece of your job, you won't have one. Now, granted, this is a higher level executive conversation, but that excited me because inherently they they said to me, we trust that you can own the position, that you can start building the company. And it's the same thing with us and you. We trust that when we hired you, that you've got the chops and the intelligence and the way of thinking to succeed. If you need us to succeed in your role, we have a problem because you're a better marketer than we are. Something I, I want to click into with our system, and I think people who want to be decision makers, they want the autonomy to make decisions. This system and how we function 
allows for that. I've been in a multitude of organizations where someone stands in front of me and says, yep, I hired you. You're the best person for the job. And I will come to them with, this is the decision I made. This is why it's the best decision for the company. And they will overrule me. And it, this is actually saying, hey, you have the autonomy to make a decision for your department because you understand the exact plan of where we want to go in one year, in 10 years, in 20 years. And that, that direction is what I think a lot of organizations are missing. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is? Why do you think they overrule people? That is a therapy question. I think, you know, I think it's a lot of things. One of the biggest things that come to mind is ego, but I know that that's not necessarily the answer we're looking for here. I I do think it's a lack of direction. It's really not understanding where you want to go and not taking the time to do the deep dive and talk about it. Everyone's running at a thousand miles a minute. And when you are so established in your business, no one thinks that taking the time to sit down and hold your horses and work through what the next five, 10 years looks like is important, but it gives everyone in your organization the ability to see and have the direction they need to make the right decisions. Or they came to my mind, it was trust. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm thinking about that past person that you worked with. Where you're saying, here's the strategy, here's where I think we should go, and they overrule you. Ultimately, they think they're right and they don't trust that your answer is the right one. This is a conversation Jay and I literally had two weeks ago, where I said, if you really want to succeed through others, which is the ultimate unlock in life, the ability to attract talented people in your world who are better than you in that position and to actually empower them. There is a cost to that empowerment. One, time. It requires you to take more time initially to slow down, to ask them questions, to understand where they want to go. And if you think they might be going down a path you do not agree with, to ask questions to help them understand what's the upside, what's the downside. Are they willing to live with the downside? takes more time in the, in the front end. And there's also a true financial cost. A salesperson will lose a deal that you could have closed. A account manager will mess a customer relationship up that you would not have. But your people are your greatest investment. And you have to be willing to let them make the mistakes and fail as long as it's not fatal and learn the lessons because they're the investment. What comes to your mind when you say all that? I I was like, I feel so important. (laughs) I feel, I feel so confident and important right now. No, it's, it's, it, having been in the workforce, for 12 years, 12 plus years, and 
finally feeling valued in an organization, not just because of my skills and experience, but because of me being a human. This is why I work here. And this is why I feel so grateful to have learned this system because it it's a confidence booster to be accountable for your job. It's a confidence booster to know the direction of the organization and be able to see the fruits of your labor and how you help it grow. I also want to point a caveat out. I don't know yet if this approach is right for everyone. I think there are some people that like to be told what to do. They just lay it out for me. I'll do it. There are some people that want to, you know, they have their set hours, they punch in, they punch out, and there's zero judgment around that. But the book, like on the subtitle, it says the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. This book is not for everyone. This podcast is not for everyone. This podcast, this book is for the ambitious professional, the person who is dissatisfied with good or great, they want extraordinary. And they refuse to accept that to thrive professionally, you have to sacrifice your personal life. That is a very, that's a more narrow audience. So you happen to be that type of person, which means when you show up for your weekly 411 with Jeff, you crave the coaching. You crave the accountability partner. You want someone to take a stand for your greatness when you may be fighting for limitations. You want someone that's going to call you out when you didn't show up at the highest level because they believe in you. I don't know that that's everybody. So I just I want to put that out there that as you're listening to this, you may be asking how to what would it look like if my organization did this? How could I get my leadership to understand these principles? Or if you're a leader, how might I drive this with my people? I think you have to ask the question, is this right for your culture? When we come back, we're going to walk through the challenges that Sarah is currently having when it comes to living the one thing as she follows her path of mastery. I'm curious. Fast forward, where are you struggling now? when it comes to living the one thing. Because I want to be really clear, just because you work with us does not mean that you are perfect. I am not. I fail every day. I've already failed this morning. We're just getting started. You're my first call today. I've already failed this morning. Where are you struggling on your path of mastery? I am a people pleaser. That is my nature. I want everybody to be happy. I want everyone to be happy with me. If you say jump, I'm going to say how high, and then I'm going to do it a thousand times until you are satisfied. The challenge for me, and there's a lot of them, but this one particularly stands out, is I have to empower myself to be able to say no. Hmm. I have to be able to look my boss in the face and say, that is not on my list of priorities this week. And I it's not my 20%. I don't have time for it, but I will 
put that in the docket for next week or be able to not, he just called me, (laughs) to be able to not pick up the phone for him when I am in a time block or, you know, to not check my slacks immediately. It's so, there, there is an innate nature in me to want to say, yes, person who's reaching out to me, I'm going to help you right now and I'm going to make you happy. And I have had to scale that back significantly in order to make this work. What coaching have you gotten from leadership on that so far? What stands out to me is the agreement I get from leadership to say, we understand you do not need to pick up the... Like, it is very much known that if you call and I don't answer, I know no one's saying, well, what is she doing? She should have answered my calls. It, there is an agreement between us that that doesn't exist. If that's the case, if Jeff has communicated that, if I have communicated that, why do you think you still struggle? Because it's, and this is, because it dates back to like my childhood. (laughs) It is, and I think that's the interesting, you know, when I evaluate where I'm at at night, sometimes and I, I think about what you just said with that this is not for everybody. It's for the most ambitious person. You have to have a willingness to go back in your life and really say, oh, I'm this way because of X, Y, and Z. Or I learned this in the workforce. I'll be honest. like I'm a people pleaser because my parents got divorced and I just wanted everybody to love me. That is going to take a lot of time for me to unlearn, but at least I am self-aware enough to acknowledge that's where it stems from. And I just know I have to spend more time talking it through and having clear communication and being able to say, you know, to Jeff and you, I really want to say yes to this right now, but I have to say no. And I I have to get X, Y, and Z done. And being able to say that is helpful for me to work through that process. Real quick, you said I have to be willing to spend the time. Is that an expense or is that an investment? Oh, it's an investment. Okay, just check it. It's an investment. And what's interesting, it's... And now that we're talking through it, it's an investment in both my personal and professional life because it is making sure that I'm not only learning how to do that within our organization and the workforce and our team and et cetera, et cetera. But I also have gotten a lot better at communicating with my boyfriend when I can't say yes to something right now, or I don't want to say yes to something. My communication skills, and I'm a communicator, that's what I learned in school, have skyrocketed because I feel confident in that those people around me understand and get it. Mm -hmm. Here's what I hope you who's listening to this hears. When you say yes to everyone in an attempt to please them, satisfy them, be a great team player, you actually undermine all three of those things. I'm clear on what your one thing is for the year. But what I'm not clear on is 
what your priorities are this week and this month to be on track for it. So like when I reach out to you and I ask you about the podcast or I ask you about PR opportunities or various things, it's just because it's what's top of mind for me, not that it's the most important thing that you should be focusing on. If you blindly say yes to that without helping me understand contextually what the trade-off is there, you could easily start going down a rabbit hole that would undermine your ability to achieve the very thing we've hired you to do, which would undermine the opportunity in the organization. Most leaders do not understand. They don't have a crystal ball. Their name is not Miss Cleo. They do not understand what is on your plate, what you're focusing on in that minute. And it is on you. You must be accountable to educate them on, I would love to help with this. I need your help real quick. Right now, my focus is on this project, then this project, then this project. I can shift to this. I don't know that that's the best investment of my time. What do you think? Have the conversation because it's a partnership. Like there was a very specific thing that I was asking you about that I know you then went to Jeff and talked to him about it. And Jeff came back to me and it was around the podcast. And the answer is, if we had you focus on the podcast right now, that would actually be a distraction. I can keep it for the next 90 days so that you can build the foundation that you need to be building. Because at the end of the day, we're paying you a salary. I want to get the highest ROI on that salary. Because if we do that, we're also making the biggest impact. We're helping the most people. So you need for you who's listening to this, when you say yes, because you think you should say yes, in the short run, you might please people. In the short run, they might perceive you to be a team player. But gradually, then suddenly, you undermine your performance, which all of a sudden, people look up and they go, but why aren't they as successful as we thought they should be? Or you end up just sacrificing your personal life to make up the gap. Then you burn out and you leave the organization, neither of which I'm good with. I know you have another challenge that you're really struggling with right now. Let's go there. Okay. So... I've been a one-person marketing department before in in a myriad of organizations. I love that word. That's my word of the day. And you know the the challenge in being a one-person marketing department is you are both the strategist and you are executing. And in a any other organization, you multitask, right? You you do five hundred different things. You're strategizing, but maybe you're I almost you're fudging up the strategy or you're doing half of a strategy. You know, you're going over here and you're executing, but maybe you're not doing it's like it it at the end of the day, you're getting it done, but maybe not at the highest level. You're mailing it in versus giving it your best. Exactly. And with this organization and and with the systems we have in place, like the 411 and like the GPS, this really challenges me to say, are you time blocking enough time to do both strategy and execution? And the balance between the two is really hard for me right now. Because remember, I'm new to the organization. So I have to build the foundations 
and and the marketing strategy also while I'm maintaining everything that's happening, the social media and the posting and the responding. Have you created a model for your time yet? I have time left, but I don't think I've created a model for my time yet. Yeah, the the raise and pitch told me no. (laughs) This would be a helpful exercise for you. We all know what it feels like to open our digital calendar, see all the stuff that's there, and then try to fit the other stuff that's in our mind in the time that remains. But that's us treating everything like it matters equally, which is the number one lie of productivity. What I would encourage you to do is to take a blank sheet of paper, eight and a half by 11, and draw a calendar for the week, seven days. And then I separate it into four quadrants. I draw a line across the middle for lunch, and then I divide the afternoon into two, and I divide the morning into two. So I've got early morning, morning, then there's lunch, and I've got early afternoon, and then I've got kind of late afternoon. This is where you should go back to your job description. Those two to three, I think you have four things that you have to do except our goals require your role to do exceptionally well. And you have to ask the question, if I could build the ideal week, what would it look like? So for me, if my top three things are vision, growth, ambassador, we have time blo- times for when should my vision time be? When should I be benchmarking other companies and having thinking time? Growth. When should I be having lead generation, lead conversion time, ambassador? When am I going on other shows or PR versus recording podcasts for this? And I'm not blocking the whole week, but it's just those big boulders and asking, when am I going to have that time? Everything else flows around those things. And if something has to override it, like yesterday afternoon, I had lead gen time and then we had our director call. I erased the lead gen time to say yes to the director call. I now have to replace the lead gen time. If you erase it, you must replace it. So for you, yes, right now, I think... What what percent of your time do you think should be in strategy currently versus execution? 75% strategy. Really? Yeah. What percent of your time do you think is currently in strategy? Actual. 40. Okay, cool. So... Zero judgment, build that model for what 75% looks like. Then go place those time blocks on a calendar and see what things have to move. You may find that there are some pre-scheduled meetings. I would challenge you to push back once. Say, hey, this is actually conflicting with a strategy time block that I have. Are we able to do this later? If it's a meeting with the director team, maybe you need to honor that because there's so many different people's schedules and your time block moves. I would just encourage you to get clarity on what it needs to look like or should look like. Get it in the calendar and start doing your best to making things move around it. And a lead domino for that is just push back once. Somebody asks, I call you and ask Sarah, can we meet to discuss inbound lead strategy? And it's violating a time block. You should push back once. I've got a commitment at that time. Can we do another time? Watch me go. I'm immediately going to start searching for other options. Immediately. I'm not going to go, what are you doing? (laughs) 
I'd like to override that time. And that will not come out of my mouth. And I think what's important with this, and I go back to my comment earlier, is the agreement across the entire organization for saying that that's okay. That does not necessarily exist. And I'm thinking specifically of all the history of my work or uh, my work history. The myriad of organizations? The myriad of organizations that I have worked for. No one would have that respect. No one is going to, no one's going to say, hey, I totally understand. It's, it, you've got a time block or you're working on your one thing or you're doing actually. Do you know that to be true? I guess I don't actually. I'm giving them, I'm not I, giving them if, the benefit if of I the had, doubt. If, if I was a betting man, which I'm not. I would put money down that 90 plus percent of the time that if a leader, somebody superior to you said, hey, can you meet at this time? And you said, I've got a conflict. Can we do? And you gave other options. I'd be willing to bet that the majority of the time they'd work around it. And if they pushed you could have a conversation about what the higher priority is. Because again, they don't have the crystal ball. And if they understand that you're planning to say yes to something that is more important than what they are asking you to do, they will likely back you. That is very true. Here's the truth. And I'm speaking to you who's listening to this. You're giving your power away. When you blindly say yes, you are giving your power away. Ultimately, you're accountable. It's actually on you. You don't need your boss's permission to start speaking this way. You don't need your boss to read the one thing, understand the one thing for you to start speaking this way. So buying into the excuse that this won't work, you actually don't know that to be true. So think big. Imagine a world where you are in control of your time. When people ask if you can meet, you push back once 100% of the time. And if they insist, you have a conversation about which is the higher priority. That would be thinking big. Now let's go small. The next time somebody asks if you can meet and you don't think it's really the highest priority, push back once. Just say, I've got a commitment and offer some other times and watch them work around your time block. I just had the song from Aladdin, like a whole new world. Like in my, (laughs) that's what just came to my mind. (laughs) That's so funny because I was thinking of the song, till now, till they go far. (laughs) We had that movie moment where we just got to enjoy Mm. stare. Yeah. Can you tell fun matters inside our company? (laughs) (laughs) All right, Sarah. So based on everything we talked about, what's one thing you can do such that by doing it, everything else would be easier or unnecessary? Push back once. Cool. What would that look like? It would be the ability to say no to somebody and respect my time block. So I almost want it to be like, 
you're in a movie and I'm watching the movie. Somebody asks if you can meet. What specifically will you do or say to push back once? That was my movie, no. But specifically, I will say, hey, I have a commitment at that time I that I really need to pay attention to. You know, can you do a different time? Because let me say something. My immediate response was say, I'm sorry. And I did not say sorry because that is my time block and I do not need to apologize for that. There you go. Yeah, you shouldn't be sorry. Look at me not being a people pleaser after one day. Well, here's the thing. By you not being sorry, you're actually pleasing me. By you honoring the things that matter most, that's where you will find the highest satisfaction from Jeff and myself. At the end of the year, I care about if you knocked your, your, your big targets down. That's what I care about. I don't care how you did it. For you who's listening this, same question. What's the one thing you can do based on this episode? Such that by doing it, everything else will be easier or unnecessary. I'm going to be really clear. If you do not search for that answer and you just go on to your next podcast episode or you just run into your next commitment without searching for that episode, you did not hold yourself accountable to guaranteeing this would be an investment of your time. Still may be an investment because you you learned something, changed your thinking, but your highest return will come by you putting this into action. Do not treat this podcast equal to every other podcast. It is not. Because this is one where every single episode, you can walk away with something tactical. You can put into practice that is simple, that could actually unleash extraordinary results in your life personally and professionally. So hold yourself to a higher standard. If you are an individual and you would like to have more training and a community to help you live this, I would strongly encourage you head on over to theonething.com. You can learn about our Living Your One Thing community or our Jumpstart Workshop. And if you're a leader in an organization and you want to create this type of a culture with your team at theonething.com, you can request a consultation. We'll get on the phone and we can walk you through what it looks like to truly create a culture where people are clear on what matters most, They say yes to the most important things and they say no or not now to everything else and are still perceived as a team player. If this episode has brought value to you, think of a person you know who needs to hear it, share it with them. It could be the exact thing they need to hear right now. If you're new to the show, make sure you click the follow button so all future episodes are automatically downloaded to your device of choice. And please leave us a rating and review. It genuinely helps us reach more people and fulfill our purpose, which is to help you better invest your time so you can achieve extraordinary results. I'm your host, Jeff Woods. We look forward to being with you in the next episode.